0: Uh,
1: This is Helen Stubbs on Galactic Chat. Trent Jameson is the author of the Deathworks series and Royal and Night Engines. And uh, welcome, Trent. Thank you, Helen.
0: It's nice to be here.
1: Virtually. Virtually. (laughs) Well, we're both in Queensland. That's true. Mm -hmm. Now, your new novel Dayboy has just been released. How... Yeah, how have the last few weeks been?
0: They've been really good and kind of weird. I did a reading down in Melbourne at the Wheeler Centre at the Moat, yeah. and yeah. that was fun. That was just before it was launched, and then Isabel Carmody did my launch for me, and that was just—it was the most amazing launch I've ever had. She was such a generous speaker, and it was just—it was just lovely to send the book off after many, many years of, of working on this one, yeah. and. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I feel a bit sad too because it's just kind of weird. I've had, I've had five other books out, five novels, and I always forget that you feel a little bit sad once the book is not yours anymore.
1: It's, it's like you've like, left the port or something. It's safe yeah. Out.
0: yeah, and you've got to say goodbye to it. And it's funny because then it's also the time when you have to talk about the book and you're sort of letting it go and you're starting to forget all the things that um, that you did with the book as well. So it's, Yeah. It's not like, it's odd, but I'm not complaining.
1: Interesting. And has it been received with love? I think so. I think yeah.
0: so. It's a bit early to say, but people seem to like it, which is good. Um, and you know, I'm just a sensitive author waiting to hear what people think about it. And it's, it's funny because when I started writing, it was short stories, and you'd write a short story, and it would be into silence, and that was it was kind of almost pre-internet. So you just, you know, you wrote these stories, you sent them out, and people read them, and then maybe two or three years later, somebody would say, oh, I read that story that you wrote in, in whatever the magazine was, and I really liked it, and be like, oh, yay. or now it's like you're constantly checking Twitter and and doing that, the Google searching and that kind of stuff to see if anybody's actually read it. And, and the, the feedback is a lot faster, which is kind of nerve-wracking as well because it, it's hard to compartmentalise it. And books are a bit different Different short stories, too, because there's more expectation. You've got a publisher that wants the book to do well as well, and you want to do it well for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you start to worry about things that are separate to the work, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of in that weird just waiting for the wave to crash kind of uh stage.
1: Mm-hmm. Crash. That
0: doesn't, that doesn't... Oh, no, in, in a good way, too. You know, when, when you go swimming and the wave kind of, kind of crashes over you, you're just taken with it and you go towards the shore. So that's... It's not too bad an image.
1: Okay, cool. And
0: also I've been working as well and because I, I do returns, and it's just the return cycle for new for books that are sort of three months old. I'm constantly reminded that you know books have a brief moment on the shelves. So I've got that going as well. Yeah. But uh, it keeps me busy too, so I'm not too obsessive about this.
1: Yeah. Well that's interesting that you work both in book sales and um and writing. So does that yeah. give you a different perspective? On the
0: whole process? Only the end point, I think, not the actual writing process because that's, that's just different. That's very personal and it just, that's part of who I am. Whereas book selling is more, that's my job and I really like it. But yeah, you, it would drive you nuts to think if, if you thought about it too much. Just yeah. Quite often the things that sell, you just wonder how it is that those things sell and how other books that you love don't do quite as well. Isn't so it's it? just,
1: element of luck there like it seems to me luck and timing to me it sometimes timing i think and I, I,
0: I it's made me feel that i can't be particularly strategic because i just have no clue and i, and I work in the trades, and it's just like i think sometimes i'm too close to it as well so i, yeah. I don't know
1: in some but, ways i guess that's reassuring it's like you don't have to be strategic just do what you do and
0: yeah and try and do it as well as you can you and know. and just see how it all all pans out, which probably my publisher is probably shaking their head going, no, no, pizza <laughs> <to> teacher,
1: <laughs> You but, need your business plan yeah, or something.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and there are authors that are really, really like that, and I think they, they do well as well. But I'm just one of those kind of slightly vague authors, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a good. difficult one to answer.
1: Yeah. So what's Dayboy about?
0: Okay, day boy, and when I'm feeling glib, mm-hmm. I like to say that it's *To Kill a Mockingbird* meets *Dracula*, but not as good as those ones. Um, but that's a description, yeah. It kind of it, it kind of is, and um, my publicist kind of raised her eyebrow and went, "Yes, that's what you need to say." Um, but it's it's about Mark, who is a day boy, and he works for a vampire called Dane. Yes. I wasn't
1: sure if you were going to use the V word because I'm, I'm not frightened of the V word. No. I
0: actually, I like the V word. Um, it's,
1: it's nowhere. There's no none of the V none of that word in the whole book, so which I think is interesting.
0: Yeah, so, but you know that's what they are, and it's yeah. undoubtedly that. So I'm, I'm quite happy to embrace it in the, and it's not like it's a surprise. There's a lot of blood in the book, and yeah. talking about blood and hunger for blood and. You know, they're definitely vampiric creatures. They might not be particularly traditional vampires, but I think they're fairly standard. But anyway, so Mark works for a vampire, and he does the work during the day that the vampire can't do. He just kind of helps decide who the vampire is going to feed on from week to week. Um, it's a position of power. And he does chores for the town as well. He's yeah. this weird interface between the vampire and the community that the vampire lives in. And there's a whole bunch of day boys in the town, and they're all they're very cocky. They're kind of the top of the pile. And um, Mark is a person, a, a child who, like most children, hasn't really thought about the future. And he's got one year left, basically, to work with Dane, and then he's going to have to make a decision. And he's not even quite sure what that decision is. Because Mark is a, one of these wonderfully oblivious characters that is very cocky, very certain of where they sit in, in the world that they live in. But that's all about to change, and I think he has a lot of trouble actually understanding what that change is going to be. So it's that last year working in this position of power and him having to make some kind of choice between what it is, what kind of man he is going to become, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: That, that That's it. And, and the, the question is man or monster, and I think it's a really good one. And I actually, by the end of the book, I, I think you can have two opinions on what he actually is at the end. And I think I kind of like that. it's a little bit ambiguous, so without giving away endings, yeah. but what choices he has made, um is that a product of his society, or is it you know his own will? That's the other thing too, I think.
1: Yes does that make sense? It does it does yeah. So would you like to read a little of Dayboy for us? Certainly would.
0: So this is just, uh, there are these little italicised kind of uh, scenes that contextualise things. And this is Dane, uh, this is Mark thinking about Dane. All I remember that makes sense is him. There's a grey fuzz of memory of before. No faces, just a warmth, a smile, the smell of some f- summer flower that I can't quite place. But it ends pretty quick. Dane took me as all day boys are took, except, well, except city boys raised in the crash or the Academy, a fairy tale snatching. Dane reads me them sometimes, those stories Grimm and Anderson. Some child snatched from some distant town, a bed left empty, and me to never know which one. Eight years with Dane, first two with Dab as well. He's my youth, the voice of me growing up. He tended my wounds. You see, they're not just the makers of wounds. He saw to my tears, and he was more tolerant than most folks would guess. I was a weepy sort of kid, and he taught me. Dane liked his lessons. He'd been a teacher once. You learn to think, boy, and you might get yourself out of trouble almost as much as you get yourself into it. Maths, English, bits of science. I found it all too slippery, but he never let up on it. History, the past before the masters came, the secret past that was there all along, the crack in the world and the way deals were made. Everything's a negotiation, Dane said. The past and a place relative to it. To live or to die. We all make choices within a greater matrix of choices. Those that brought this world on us made choices they thought were the right ones. What do you think? Everything's a negotiation. There we go.
1: Awesome. Hey. Beautiful prose. Oh, it.
0: thank you. Um, Mumbling it out there, but yes. Cool.
1: Now, can you tell us about your process of writing Dayboy? How many years it took, how the story formed or grew?
0: Okay, well, it initially started with an image that I had in my mind. And I, I, I was, I just left work, I was working at Dimix and I just left to do some writing. Dinah had convinced me, my wife Dinah had convinced me that I needed to actually take time to, It was a little bit miserable. And, um, I just had so many ideas, so many images, and, uh, one of them was these, two kids and they're, they're down in an attic and they're both smoking and they, they're flicking their cigarettes at this kind of crypt and or a coffin. And I was just thinking, you know, why are they doing that? It was so cocky and they were just like, just mucking around. And I, I started thinking of all the things that they were doing. And they I realised that it was a vampire that was in the crypt and that they worked for a vampire. And then I was just really curious as to what the character of a boy like that would be. And... Um, I've got Mark's voice in my head and once I, basically most of my stories start off with a um, image and a voice. and if I get the voice it has a particular rhythm to it and then that starts to pull me through the story. And
1: so Mark kind of told the story to you in sense? And, and in the book
0: is Mark telling the story and I actually know who's, who he's telling the story to. and um, whether I'm going to write that person's story and they're, and they're, they're not in this book.
1: But
0: they permeate it, so
1: that's, I want to know who they are, but I don't want to know because I don't want to no, spoil. No. Us, so don't tell us. I, I, I won't.
0: I won't. But um,
1: I'm guessing. Yeah, it's
0: because it, it, and that story is actually because this is about fathers and sons. This story, and that one is about mothers and daughters. And uh, anyway, I, I want these two very specific things to bookend each other. But it's <laughs> I'm such a slow writer. That's going to be like a decade away. And everyone will have forgotten by then. So
1: hurry up.
0: Uh, Too too many things, but anyway, I had that image, and I I wrote a short story, and it was called Day Boy. It was published in a magazine called Murky Depths, which I have here. Cool magazine, and um, that short story became the core of this novel. But I was just actually looking back at it. I haven't read that short story in a long time. It's nothing like the book now. But the voice is there. And there are certain scenes and even a couple of lines of dialogue. But the book became an explanation for why what happens in that short story happens. But then it grew. And the, the ages of characters changed. The names of characters changed. It was basically Dane. Mark was called Troy in that story. But, um, I don't know, it just kept me going. And the thing was with, with Dayboy, it was a book I felt really passionate about. And I just finished the first Deathworks novel, and then I sold the Deathworks novel, and had to put Dayboy to one side. Yeah. And then it was a three-book deal, which was yay, but uh, it meant that.
1: What year was that, Trent? Oh. in
0: 2008, I think, yeah. or 2009. It's a long time ago. Yeah, and a
1: long time.
0: Then I basically was writing the, the Deathworks books, and so that just got put further and further back. And I was a little bit stuck to it. I kept writing the same scene. It's about three or four chapters in when Mark runs into the hunter yeah. and hiding in, in, in the creek. That was initially the opening scene of the book, and I just couldn't get past it. I kept writing that and rewriting that, and it just wasn't happening. Plus, you know, I was writing that, uh, writing the Deathworks books and then writing Royal or rewriting Royal, writing Night's Engines. So all of that stuff was taking up time. And then I wrote those books that came out, do fantastically well. They did okay. but The first Deathworks book did quite well. But I was kind of at the point where I was exhausted from writing books and just, I'm not one of those authors who can churn out books. Uh, plus, you know, I have to, you know, you don't make enough money from writing to, well, I didn't, to actually live off it. So I had to work as well. And, yeah, so I had to go back to work at Abbott. And, yeah, I was just exhausted. And I got to the point where I thought, I almost thought, that's it. I don't think I'm going to write anything else. Uh, But, you know, I was still writing. But uh, I uh, actually started uh, working on um, this book again, and I I, I sent it off to my agent, Sophie Hamley, and she really liked it. And she said, you've got to finish this book. So I started writing it for her. So it was a chapter at the time, and it, it just got me back into the rhythm and routine of writing as well. And uh, I found a way of moving the story forward. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it happened.
1: Do you generally enjoy writing or are there times when it's a bit torturous or you're sick of a book? I'm
0: definitely not a tortured artist. (laughs) I just think I was exhausted because I I was used to writing short stories and you write a short story, you send it out, it gets published, and then – you know, you, you don't you don't feel a sense of success being something to do with sales or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because I think with novels, there's a lot more you know, there's a lot more at stake for other people as well. And I'm, I'm a kind of diligent, um, boy It kind of takes like take that responsibility on. And with with, the, with books, when they don't do quite as well, you feel like you're letting people down. And I actually found that quite exhausting emotionally. Yeah, so if that makes sounds it's, hard,
1: it's like pressure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's not, it wasn't the publish, it's just part of the industry. And I don't think I was mentally equipped to do, I wasn't ready for it. Even though, you know, like I'm in my early forties now, um, so you'd think emotionally it would have been fine, but it was just, it, it came as a weird shock. Despite working in books and doing returns and knowing the way the industry works, it was still, yeah, I found it exhausting. And I think I needed to find, go back to a book that I was in love with. Yes. Which I was with Day Boy and and learned that the love of actually writing a novel because yeah. you know I love short fiction but I I do think of myself as a novelist
1: yeah. so yeah. yeah
0: so that's the, the, the very long uh, version of, of how that book came about.
1: Oh, that's great. It's very interesting to hear about. Yeah, um,
0: I'm not embarrassed that the the other books haven't done as well. I think quite often with 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 novels, we have to be constantly upping, and, you know, everything's a success. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to say, well, these books didn't quite find the audience that perhaps we were hoping for. But, you know, the the Deathworks books have found a quite a loyal audience. I actually think that Nightbound Land as well, that series, has got some really hardcore fans who really liked it. So, you know, they, they certainly touch people. And so I don't see them as failures of, the work itself, I don't see as a failure. Yeah, I'm sure, they've got strengths and weaknesses, but um, yeah.
1: Awesome. It sounds hard being a uh, It sounds hard.
0: You're hard at all. <laughs> uh, I, quite often uh, the difficulty is stuff that you place on yourself rather than what other people are placing on you as well.
1: So, uh,
0: i a little emotional lad.
1: Probably <laughs> why you're such a good writer. You put that oh. emotion into your work
0: maybe. You have to throw yourself into your work, and particularly when you write fantasy as well, I think there's no way of engaging oh, oh, I'm sure there are, there is but I I can't engage with it ironically, I have to my books are me and uh, I really put myself into my fiction and um, maybe sometimes to an embarrassing degree I don't know, but um, that's the other thing, you can't afford to be embarrassed by your work you have to be, you know you don't have to think it's brilliant, but you have to engage with it emotionally 100%, I think. Which makes it a bit exhausting writing sometimes. But it's also, you know, it's the thing that I've always done. So, since I could write, since I was about five or
1: six. Yeah. It's interesting that, um, Dane is a, a writer as well in the book, yeah. and he's really struggling with his
0: work. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I was wearing my um, heart on my sleeve too much of that character, and I, I I really try not to write about writers. And it was a slightly, I you know, he, he's this person with all the time in the world. He's you know he can live forever, and he just can't finish his book. And so maybe maybe it was a fear of mine as well. And uh, yeah, I think I was having a little bit of poking a bit of fun at writing there too. Not but right. uh, and the idea that perhaps once. You know, you have all the time in the world. The the desire, the the need for creativity starts to to wane. And they're consumers. The vampires are consumers. They love music. They love art. They consume it. They love they're, they're, like humans produce these things and they take it. And um, yeah. So I think and, I was playing with that too. Is it,
1: is it an interesting cultural discussion? I think yes, as well. I think, I think it is what it is to be alive and to be able yeah. to create, maybe.
0: Hmm. And 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 the weirdnesses that the privilege of power gives you as well. So I think the vampires, you know, the, the they're in this upper position. I see them as like kind of like the one percenters, mm-hmm. and they devour everything, but they're also very very weak in a way. And it's up to people to actually see that weakness. I think. I don't know.
1: Very good. So, Dayboy has an entirely different feel to Deathworks. Is all your work so diverse? And we've sort of covered this, How um, if this affects your career as a writer.
0: Okay. Um, I think actually diversity is something that Australian writers tend to specialise in. I think we very much, when, when the new weird broke in the sort of early 2000s, it was something that a lot of Australian writers would finally, you know, people actually are doing this in other countries. And it's just, because I, I think we, we, we come from this tradition of mixing up genres, and we always have. And you think of all this, like, Terry Dowling, who writes, you know, amazing kind of uh, space opera stuff and uh, the uh, the Tom Rhinoceros stuff, and then he does horror as well. And, you know, and, and all the writers that. I admire Margot Lanigan as well. She just mixes genres all over the place, and she's just amazing. And I, I count her as a, a, an influence, just even in her rhythm. and She's just a wonderful writer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she doesn't write the same type of story. And um, then I think of, like, Sean Williams is the same. He just crosses genres all over the place. And then my dear friend Marianne de she's written space opera. She's written cyberpunk. She's written gothic YA fiction. She's written... Um, Under a slightly under a a pseudonym, but uh, crime novels as well. And you know, I think we like to mix genres up, and perhaps readers that could be occasionally confusing because we're moving from a tradition of short story writing, where there's like three or four hundred people in Australia, maybe read it, maybe maybe a thousand, to um, to novels where perhaps people expect a consistency. And I I don't know. I think perhaps that can be a challenge to readers. I, I do know that. There were people that responded very well to the death work stuff, which is kind of light comedy, cosmic horror. That makes sense. See, I can't even. I mix genres even within the the fiction that I write. Urban fantasy.
1: It is urban fantasy. What was that cosmic cosmic horror? I haven't heard of cosmic 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 horror.
0: Slash urban fantasy. Um, because I have to admit, when I was writing it, I didn't really know much about urban fantasy at all. So it was, it wasn't thinking I'm going to write an urban fantasy novel. It was just I wanted to write a novel set in Brisbane about death. Um and you no know, people read that and then read The Nightbound Land. It's very different. Steampunk is quite dark. The characters aren't particularly likable. Um, and so the people went, Oh, I really like Steven, but I hate these characters and this book's too dark and it's and I, I think too with the with the Nightbound Land, that was my Royal was the first book that I actually finished and I was reasonably happy with. And I think, in some ways, as much as I love that, and I have a deep, deep love for that series, it maybe it's my weakest. I think, and I think it was my where I learnt to write books. So it, it has all the flaws, and it came out after the the, the other three, um, the Deathworks books, which are a little, is a little bit more polished. And I, I think that was a bit of a challenge too. Um, I feel like I've Dayboy is me mixing everything in, and um, yes, yeah, so I, I think yeah, it, it is hard. Yeah. It is hard if you're going to be mixing genres. Um, a lot of readers won't follow you.
1: And I guess maybe we're asking for flexibility from our authors, to, I mean our, our readers, to um, just, you know, try different things. And if you like an author, why not try yeah, their other but, stuff? And you might not like it, but... Absolutely.
0: And some people will follow you and other people won't. And I, I think you just really, ultimately, you have to write what you can write. And I don't think I don't know any writer that just wants to write the same thing over and over again yeah. you know, it's the the novelty of storytelling is to find you know different outcomes of different stories and to take you know enter the heads of different characters and explore different worlds and I think too, coming from writing short stories where you could just write everything yeah. um I kind of wanted to do that with novels as well, and I hope that I still get a chance to do that, and I can't say, you know, my career has not been an amazing one, but it's still, it's like, I've managed to sell six books, and, you know, and they've all been a little bit different, and publishers have taken those, so, you know, I feel like it's actually been pretty good, I'm not complaining at all, and I've gotten to write and inhabit these worlds, and put them out there, and I think that's, you know, that's always been my dream, so, you know, I'm I'm not at all complaining about it at all, and, um, yeah, and with Dayboy, it was also, I really wanted to write a different type of book. I wanted to write an episodic book um, as opposed to, the, I think what I see is the major difference between it and my other books is they're very plot-driven, and Dayboy was, the pace was a little bit different. It's set over a year. It has a certain rhythm that is more of a short story kind of rhythm, and I wanted it to be more of a reflection of my short stories, because actually... I think with in regards to the readership that I had, I'm really rambling here, but um when it's the Dead books different. came out, I think a lot of people were slightly disappointed and confused because it was nothing like my short fiction, and it was the prose was a little bit uh, a little bit slick, but it was also it was a different style of writing, and I think Dayboy is much more, and it's come from a short story, but it's also much more a reflection of what I am as a short story writer. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so I think that was, I, I did confuse some of my readers who had been with me for, you know, 10 years of sporadic short story um, publications. I think they were expecting something a bit different. And you, you can't write what your readers expect. You can only really write where the, the words take you. So, and, uh, and you know, I think if I started to worry too much about that, I wouldn't write at all. So <laughs> I, I like to imagine that I don't have anyone that reads me. Yeah. And it, it you know, I'm, it, it removes a lot of self consciousness. Because, you know, it, i we're all easily embarrassed. And I think the moment you start to get embarrassed about what it is you're writing, it's death. And, um, not literal death, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it would kill, like, your creativity. It your creativity you. would shrink and be. Absolutely. Abso- yes.
0: I don't want my creativity to be scared and sad.
1: It's like a delicate flower. out in the sun being happy. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So maybe we can expect something very different from you again, which is exciting. Yes,
0: I hope so. I mean, the next thing I'm writing is, uh, well, I don't really want to curse it, but it basically it'll be a very different type of novel. Um, And it's kind of, it's about, the struggle of of not having children in a way, so that that's the next thing I'm working on, and it's 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 definitely specky, um, but yet again it'll it'll be different, it'll have a different voice, and um, yeah, but actually probably the next thing that I finish though will be the next Death Work story, which is quite a crazy thing that I have to get done because it's that's been sitting, personal. I've printed it out. Over here in this massive mess pile. Um, just
1: stop covering them. <laughs> I can't see it. Is it um in draft or massive it's in, mess? It's it's
0: it's a big messy draft, but it's it's there. So I need I need to finish that off.
1: That's to celebrate good work. It's drafted. Yeah. It's that's that's true. <laughs> first draft, second draft. Uh bits of
0: first, bits of second, bits of third. And it's weird because I, I don't write in a linear way. I write scenes all over the place and then they kind of start to talk to each other and then I tie them together. And I have a vague idea of the way the story is going to go. but It horrifies some people because other people like to know exactly where they're going and head that way, um, which is kind of funny, though, because of the Deathworks books. I mean, with the um, Dayboy, which is an epi- deliberately episodic novel, I wrote it from A to Z. I actually wrote it in a linear way which is very not like me, and I, I found editing it quite odd because I think normally my weird way of writing scenes and having them communicate to each other means that I'm on top of the structure. Once it starts to form, I'm on top of it and I can start slotting things in, but because I wrote from beginning to end, it, there's a lot of, uh, I had to cut a lot of stuff out. So it, it, it did meander a lot more.
1: That's really and, interesting that doing it randomly ends up
0: cool. working
1: more efficiently uh, or something. Maybe.
0: Yeah, for me, but it's just the way that I, I am. Um, I, I love this quote. I, I, I always like to bring it in. as My wife, Diana, um, talks about the way I eat corn. And most <laughs> people eat across ways or up and down. But I just take bites all over the place. And that's how I write a book. I just take bites of the book. And, you know, I I trust my subconscious mind to actually have a sense of, because, you know, I believe we all have story structure in our heads. I trust that the back of my brain knows what's going on. And so I just start writing scenes, and I I do get a sense of cohesion. And, you know, it's not like I go into a book with having no idea at all. I usually have a bit of an idea, and then about a third of the way through, I quite often write the last scene, and that just starts to lock things into place, and then I, I follow that through. So I think probably a lot of people are nodding their heads going in. Yeah, it's just why stuff just doesn't hold together. But
1: oh, come on. That's
0: that's the way I write. That's, that was how I wrote short stories.
1: saying he's a creative genius. That's why his work is <laughs> awesome. Uh, or a uh,
0: I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so it, it's, it's a weird thing. I think every book to you, you can say you write a, a, in a particular way, but every book draws out a different, way of approaching your writing too. And it it demands a different discipline, if that makes sense.
1: And that would maybe keep you excited about writing. It does. You don't know how it's going to play out. It does.
0: You know, if you know everything. I'm not one of those people who likes to know everything. Um, And I I like to uncover the story as I'm going. And, uh, yeah, so it it helps. I'm definitely one of those people who doesn't know Everything about the, the, the worlds that they're creating as well, which is why I like to have single focus point of view characters too, because they push through the world and you're seeing it through their perspective.
1: Now, working at Avid Reaver, Reader and as a writer and a teacher, books and words are your life. Do you ever get sick of them?
0: No, I don't. But I think one of the problems that I had, particularly working at Avid, is that there is a constant stream of new books. And so my attention span, and everyone's attention span is terrible now, but um, I'm constantly picking up new books, reading the first chapter and then putting them down and getting the next book, reading the first chapter. And it it takes a, a lot for a book to hook me now. Yeah. Um, and quite often it's qu- quite a bit after they've been published that I'll actually go, huh, you know, it'll, it'll be sitting on my bookcase and I've read the first chapter two years ago and I'll finally get back in and read it and go, oh, that was actually really good.
1: That's okay. an interesting point. I think a lot of people are doing that now because there's just so much being published and so much hmm. um demand on our attention that a lot of people just read the beginning and if it doesn't really grab you, just like put it down for a while. So yeah,
0: and and I think we have to really work counter to that because it's not fair on the work. And some books don't grab you until halfway through and you, you know but uh, I, I don't know, and I think you feel a greater responsibility when you're a bookseller too. You want to give everything, you want to honor the amount of work, and as a writer too, the amount of work that somebody's put into a book. So to just discard it when you know you might find that you've loved it, and when a bookseller loves a book, they sell it. And um, so you've got to try and give everything as much time. But yeah, I don't, I don't ever get sick of words, and I don't get sick of reading, and I you know I engage with the world through words. I don't I don't watch a lot of television. Yeah. Um, I find, like, I actually get impatient with shows because yeah. I find a book I can fall into and I don't have that impatience. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. It's not that I'm putting down watching TV because there are some shows I do enjoy. But, yeah, I just sitting down and watching something, it's not for me. I, I really prefer to fall into it. I either prefer to be writing something or reading something or just, you know, quittering around on Facebook, which I do far too much. <laughs>
1: Are people like ever surprised if you say, "Oh, yeah, I wrote this. Check this book out." Do they does that happen much? Or <laughs> I try
0: to avoid doing that because it's kind of awkward when you work with <laughs> me. Hey, if somebody goes, "Oh, I, I've had this happen," and quite recently someone, "Oh, you know, I want a dystopian novel maybe with vampires in it," and I went, "Hey, I, I actually wrote this one." And then they kind of go, "Oh." And I look at it, and it's just you feel like you put pressure on them to buy it. <laughs> you know it can be a bit embarrassing, so I don't I'm happy for everyone else to sell my book at work. And occasionally if I think if somebody is really if it seems like a good, really good fit, i'll I'll mention it, but usually i I don't. Yeah. and if yeah. somebody buys my book, I tend to be hiding. and we did because we've got a few novelists at work we got Chrissy neen and and, and Christopher Curry. And quite often someone will buy their book, and 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 it's odd because you see that person just sort of try to go away and you go, oh, and they wrote it, and would you like to get them to sign it? And it's just, yeah, it, it's funny. But um so yeah, I think people imagine that because you work in a bookshop, you're going to be plugging your books, but no, no, some
1: reason it's I wouldn't think that.
0: It would be, or, be awkward. <laughs> yeah, just be weird. I mean, I'm sure there yeah. are people who do that, but um. Yeah, not me, not me, and you know, and I, I'm proud of those books, and I do love them, and and then they're, they're my children. But when it comes to my shop, they have to they have to make it on their own. I can't just you know, and it's like the, the good thing about there is that you know my books are always in stock in the shop, and all, we, we keep each other's books in. But um yeah, as far as really pushing them and hand selling them. <laughs> Not so much. Not so much.
1: Um, okay, so where can fans find you over the future months? Will you be attending any conventions or conferences?
0: Well, I'm definitely going to GenreCon, um, so I'll just be there, and I'm, I'm sure Pete will... Uh, Peterborough will make me do some panels awesome. um, mm-hmm. and I might be going to a couple of other things, but I can't talk about them because they have to be released and okay. yeah. Okay. So, but I will be around um, and I'll try to get to a few things. I, I don't tend to get to a lot of cons because they're expensive and I don't make a lot of money. So I, I usually I'm sort of stuck, but uh, I'm in the next 12 months. I'm definitely going to make a bit of an effort to, uh, That save some money and uh, get to a few things as well.
1: Awesome.
0: So I will be about...
1: Cool, because NatCon's in Brisbane next year. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll be at
0: NatCon.
1: And just for a last question, are you reading anything at the moment that you love or recently?
0: Okay. Well, I've just finished Chrissy Neen's new book, Eating My Grandmother. It's a book of poetry. It's a grief cycle. And it was just amazing. It, if you've uh, we've we've all lost family members that we care for, she's just managed to capture the anger of grief, the confusion of it, and wow, sadness. It's just one of the most powerful books that I've ever read. I've and before. and it's it's so cool because it's a person that I I really I, I adore and 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 I work with, and she's written this book and it's this and she you know, I can't go on about how wonderful it is and. It's poetry too, which is uh, sometimes not the easiest read, but she's managed to just capture that the, the heartbeat of grief and uh, and just do it so powerfully. So that that would be my top thing at the moment. Um, I'm also reading Gary Kemble's new book Skin Deep, which is really <laughs> good. It's a it's set in Brisbane, which I which I love, and we we've, we've kind of written about similar places and he has tattoos and he has minus tattoos so it's kind of like I'm just looking at Gary's stuff and just I'm really enjoying it, it it's like it's, yeah, it's it's a great book and I hope that does very well it's just come out awesome uh, so that'd be my two things that I'm sort of really really sort of uh, enthusiastic about i I've finished yes, yes. This, is, this is the book set on me I'm just going to ramble off all these different titles <laughs> um I, yeah, I'm I gonna stop.
1: No, yes, just kidding. keep oh, going more Well, there's
0: a book by John Darnell that I read at the beginning of the year called Wolf in White Van. Now, John Darnell is in a band called The Mountain Goats, and Wolf in White Van is its not a fantasy. It's it's, it's a book about two really dark moments in a person's life, and the book circles around them without ever really engaging with those moments, but you see the effect of them. And the character in um, Wolf in White Van, his name I've completely forgotten, but he's a, he's a, a, a... a kid who grew up reading a lot of fantasy and, uh, there are certain things in that book that just cut so close to home that, you know, it, for, for me, it, it was felt, I felt like he was writing about me as a child without, without the really dark stuff that happens in the book. Um, so that, that was a wonderful read too. And it's beautifully written and it's very short. So Wolf and White Van, I'd, I'd hunt that down too. Okay. Oh, and I'm about to start, uh, zeros by, um, Deb, B and Cotty and, uh, Scott Westfield and Margot Lenigan, which looks awesome. Superheroes. Yes. There we go.
1: Oh, great. You mentioned they're talking about Gary's work, um, a story set in Brisbane. Do you. Is that an important thing to you, a story set in local areas? Does that. Yes. Yeah. It,
0: it, it is to me. I mean, I, I love Brisbane, so i it, it, that's just uh, it's a crack to me. Reading crack is. You know, looking at Brisbane, um, and we're going to actually get some really good fantasy about Brisbane in the next few years too. So, I mean, Angela Slater's got a series coming out through um, Hashet, I think, uh, which will also be Brisbane-based, and uh, and I know that uh, who else have we got? Jason Narong has something, he's, he's basically doing his PhD on um, dystopians I think, is dystopia around Brisbane? But anyway, he is doing some Brisbane-based stuff as well. And, you know, and we've got some, Queensland has got some really lovely writers. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very proud of, of what this state produces um fiction-wise. So, yeah. And I, I think it's very important that we actually have stories around cities and places that aren't New York or London or anything like that. So, yes. Cool. Me too.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, there are my questions.
0: Oops.
1: Thank you for talking to us today. you uh, so
0: much, Ellen. I hope I didn't ramble on too much.
1: No, it was great. Okay, oh, see you well. later, Trent. See you, Ellen. Bye.